Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Mark Kirby, Area General Manager for The Address Downtown in Dubai. Coming up on today's show... Mark identifies a problem with a hotel's location. Very dangerous being next to Harvey Nichols, not good for the credit card, I have to say. Phil explains what it's like being the opposite of a morning person. I had days where I, I, I woke up and just thought, ugh. And Mark tells us a story about averting disaster. And I turned around to literally leg it back to the front of the hotel to go and get the right guest out. All that and so much more as Mark talks us through his story and journey to date, as well as some exceptional content on PR and creating the right noises. In addition, Mark really does talk with incredible energy about his craft. A massive thank you to him for that. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode each week telling the amazing and always amusing stories from hospitality. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a like and a share across your networks. Let's share these stories as far as we can. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next edition of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today, we once again cross the seas. This time, we're off to the Middle East. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show one of Dubai's most prominent general managers, who may or may not thank me for saying that. But having worked in a few of the region's most prestigious hotels, including Le Royal Meridian Beach Resort and Spa, the Armani Hotel in Dubai, and now is area GM of the Address Hotels downtown, part of the EMAR Hospitality Group. I'm delighted to welcome to the show, Mark Kirby. Well, thank you very much. Really, really, really nice to hear from you. Brilliant. How are you doing? Yeah, we're not, not too bad, actually. As you know, we, everyone's been having um, an interesting time through this COVID and getting used to the new norms. We're starting to see a lot more positivity in the market, which is really great. Dubai opened, uh, opened its international borders on the 7th. So we're just getting used to welcoming international travellers back into the city. And, um, you know, last weekend we had uh, 60% occupancy in one of our hotels. Um, and that was quite exciting because, you know, we haven't seen 60% occupancy since pre-COVID. You know, normally 60% occupancy, I think you would uh, be, be twiddling your thumbs thinking, well, we're not, we, we should do a bit more. But, um, you know, we're sort of celebrations at that sort of occupancy. Yeah, well, I mean, that's... Well, that's the new normal, right? <laughs> yes. we, um, we get excited about small victories. We we sure do. You know, when you've got you know a, th- a thousand dirhams and you're you're happy that it's um, going across the across the cash register. So we'll 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 see how that moves as we move forward. Yeah, and I suppose as well for you, it's a double whammy at this time of year because it's right in the the heart of deepest hottest summer, which I, I guess is not normally your 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 best trading period in any case, but then add in the COVID situation on top, then it's, you're just, you're getting battered from all angles. Yeah, well, we, we, well COVID actually uh, started to hit us and really start to affect Dubai really um, at the end of March, and that's our key season. So we were, we were trending very, very positively in January. In fact, in January, we did our best month ever for the Address Downtown Hotel, which I'm sitting in today. Um, and that was really great. And everybody was celebrating those achievements, 91%, which was pretty, pretty full on. Yeah. And then by March, we were sitting with, you know, we were, we were dropping right off below 30%. And that was obviously quite worrying at that time. So you lose, your, you lose that key period of the, at the beginning of the year. Um, and then you hit sort of June, July, August, September, when it's traditionally our slightly lower season. 
although having having such great things like the Divine Wall and um, all the facilities of that, uh, whether it be Kidzania, whether it be things like the you know, the Dubai Underwater Zoo and all the stuff that goes on in the, in, the, in the world's biggest mall, you know, it's actually, we actually do pretty well in the summertime because people don't tend to be on the beach so much and they come to the, the hotels that are more centrally located with the facilities attached. Right. So yeah, it's, um, it's uh, yeah, an interesting time of the year to, for it all to come together. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, before we get on to, I suppose, a bit more about you and, and who you are and what you do right now, take us all the way back to the beginning of your career and, and kind of just give us a, a run through of, of you and how did you get into this industry and, and just take us forward from there. Oh gosh, they <laughs> take me back a few years. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, originally from the UK, uh, born in Sheffield. I grew up in a market town of a place called Chesterfield, uh, for those who know it in the Midlands. Did you really? I, I yep. didn't know that about you, but my wife's also from Chesterfield. No way. Well, there yeah. we go. I should have a, I should have a talk to your wife at some stage then. We can probably Absolutely. tell some secrets. The, do you know the one thing I remember about uh, the first time she she took me to Chesterfield to meet her her parents was uh, this, this was quite some time ago now neither of us could drive at the time so we were 100% reliant on public transport and we arrived in, on the train and we were going to get a taxi to to her mum's place and she said just bear in mind that the taxi driver will probably call me me duck um, <laughs> and um, I was like whatever. And of course, as soon as we got in the taxi driver, he, he said, where are you off to, me duck? And I was like, okay, so that's true then. <laughs> so you were, you were quite tuned into it. You've been given the inside info. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, <laughs> Chesterfield is uh, famous for, for one thing only. Well, one thing is the crooked spire. That's exactly. on that one. <laughs> Indeed. It's famous for a lot of other things, but we won't sure go into those. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I digress, but you'll, you'll get a theme that that happens sometimes. But anyway, no problem. <laughs> so I grew up in I grew up in uh, Chesterfield. My father was um, my late father was um, um, a very successful businessman, security and electrical business. And I used to spend a lot of time actually going around with him uh, when he used to go and meet hoteliers um, in London, in the capital, and all over, obviously the UK. That sort of had a detriment to my school um, results because I actually left school. I went to um, a grammar school in Chesterfield in, in, to do my GCSEs um, and I left with some pretty poor results. So I remember, I remember one summer I was working at my dad's, my dad's firm. He was paying me a very low wage. Um, he was very tight like that. Right. So he was paying me uh, less, than the, less than the normal wage, I would have said, uh, to do some work in his warehouses. And I always remembered, I was very, I was very scared of my mum actually. So um, my mum came in to me. She said, have you seen your results? And, you know, me, me being a bit nervous of mother, <laughs> looked, at, looked at her in horror. So she said, well, I don't know what you're going to do, young man, because certainly you're not going to, you're not going to be uh, hanging around us. You need to sort yourself out. So she came to me, actually, and she came with a, there was a clipping in a newspaper. And this clipping in the newspaper, I think it was the Derbyshire Times. And she said, look, there's a, there's a hospitality school uh, up in Buxton. She said, I think that that's something that you would like to potentially go and have a look at it. You know, you can go and do a, what was called in those days a BTEC first. And a BTEC first was sort of a conversion into a BTEC national. So it meant that, you know, if you if you flunked your GCSE results, there was, in, there was one more chance. So because I'd always, be, always been interested in hotels, I, and the reason why I was interested in hotels, and that's probably where you probably think why I, why I was, was because as I, as, as I used to go around with my father to, to the London hotels, I remember one time 
Um, he was uh, he was actually he went to see uh, David Morgan Hewitt at the Goring, and he was fitting a security system there. And I remember my father used to say to me, you know, you sit in the lobby, don't touch anything, keep quiet, stay where you are. So I used to sit in the lobby of some of the five star hotels in London and literally watch life go on. Um, it was a lot nice. more interesting. It was a lot more interesting in London than the five star hotel lobbies than it was in Chesterfield. Believe me. Um, <laughs> Much to the upset of my father, because I think he wanted his son to join his business. So uh, off I went to college, and I think he was still—I uh, think he was still under the impression that you know I'd spend a couple of years at college, and then I would probably join the family business. And I found that you know through that BTEC first, I really started to enjoy it, and um, my you know my grades were coming in pretty strong. Um, and then I went into the national, um, and I came out with you know one of the top students in the in the in the university in the in the college, should I say? Right. And out of that out of that college. I then went off to uh, Birmingham, decided to go a little bit more south, uh, far enough away from home, but close enough that I could, you know, drive back if I needed some washing doing. So off I went down to university in Birmingham and um, yeah, I, I, I did three first year, uh, two first years, should I say. And it was a, it was quite a, it was quite an intense course because it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a partnership between the University of um, Birmingham and the Birmingham College of Food, which was a very well known and very uh, sought after hospitality school. So we used to do the hospitality part of it in the Birmingham College of Food. And then the sort of the business, the strategy and business studies with the University of Birmingham. So quite a tough course. And I had to go out in the third year. And this was where my luck sort of started to gain and gain a little bit more of a, it seemed to pick up more. Um, because I went to, there was two hotels I went to. One was the Lanesborough and one was the, the Goring. For, and both of them were interviewing me for a sort of a management placement, third year sandwich placement from university. Right. I always remember the Lanesborough at the time said to me, well, we can put you in housekeeping for six months and we'll put you, if you're, if you're good enough in housekeeping, we'll put you in the restaurant. And I thought, oh yeah, six months in housekeeping, not sure about that. So off I went to the Goring and, um, and this, is where my, this is where I just fell in love with the hotel straight away. They were really great and they said, look, what we're going to do with you is we're going to put you through a management training program. You will spend time everywhere, including the kitchens. Uh, we'll, we'll teach you some skills throughout um, and then we'll send you back to university. And they were the most friendly or most connecting hotels. You know, you go, you don't forget that when you're young and you go down to the big city, city hotels in London, they're rich scary. And I remember I met David at the time. Yeah, he's an amazing chap, larger than life, as you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, before I knew it, I was a management trainee at the Goring. And just before I went there, this was, and this is where you should, you should always, you know, as a young man, you should always keep your mouth closed and say nothing. So I looked at the schedule that they had sent to me and it said, you know, you're going to do two months here, you're going to do a month here, you're going to do two months in the kitchen. And I was thinking, well, I'm not really interested in the kitchen. So, can, you know, shall I ask them whether I can do a month in the kitchen and then a bit more somewhere else? So I did. So instead of, instead of, instead of um, complying or, or following my wish, they actually put me, ended up putting me in the kitchen for three months as a lesson, I think. So <laughs> <laughs> I got another month on top of it. But I had an amazing time and the hotel taught me a lot, um, put a lot of trust into me. We used to go out uh, to some of the, the top uh, London restaurants where David used to have a management club dinner where he used to take a member, a member of each department out and sort of you know, teach them all about the restaurants in the, in the capital. So he was, very mu- he was very much into food and beverage those days. Yep. So we really got, to, really got to know the capital. And then I had to go back to boring old Birmingham for my final year, which was, <laughs> which was, which was a really tough, tough year because not only had I left the Goring, left those fantastic restaurants, but I had to go up to, the, you know, up to Birmingham. 
uh, back to, you know, to put my head down. But my head down I did and um, came out of Birmingham with a 2-1 and second in the class. So I always remember when it came to graduation, there was, there was my mother, you know, I'm there in the, in the robes and the hat and everything. And then she's, she, she sat there crying. I, don't, I think she was crying more for relief rather than the yeah. fact <laughs> the boy who had failed his GCSEs managed to get through to the sort of being the top two in the university. Yeah. So I think it all goes to show that when you're really enjoying something, you you know, you've got your heart into it. It really, really makes you understand about you know. And I always say to people, and I say that to people in, in you know, my team in the hotels now. You know, if you're really enjoying it, you'll you'll excel. If it's not for you, then don't stay. You know, yeah. because it's you never do it the same capacity. I think that's a that great mantra for, yeah. for anyone, really. If you're doing it just for a job, but not from the heart, then it's yeah. probably got a very limited lifespan. Yeah, well, you know more as much as I do, and you've been you know, in this industry for years now. You know, the people who really get in and enjoy it, and it's a, and it's a tough industry. You've got to enjoy it to really, and to really excel. Otherwise, you won't, you won't put up with the hours. You won't understand that you know, when you're working at Christmas time and everyone else is off. <laughs> yeah it can be quite tough but actually that's the that's the fun time of the year that's the time of the year that you have the most time most yeah. fun time yeah. so i left birmingham and london is obviously the place to be for hotels and i really want to go back to the capital um so i joined um, as a receptionist uh, at the grosvenor house in london and it was just on the the cusp of the the trust house 4040 era um with granada literally just taking over the property in those days you know oh, you're, you're sure more. on your age now I am. That's it. Yeah. I shouldn't tell you some of these secrets. No? Yeah. <laughs> so 586 bedrooms, a big, big hotel. And it was great. And I really loved that fact because the Goring was great for me in terms of getting overall experience. I think that that gave me sort of the boutique hotel experience and the, you know, the really the very luxurious um, boutique hotel experience. And I really wanted a big hotel to sort of learn my trade. Um, so I went into a, as a receptionist um, and I always remember, you know, 400 arrivals, 400 departures and a, and, a, and a tough hotel it was. But it was so much great fun and I absolutely loved it. It was uh, big, as you know, the, the Grosvenor House, it was a big banqueting hotel. So yeah, November, December, this was the time of the year where they had all those award ceremonies and you would have, you know, as I say, 400 guests checking in for one one event one day and then they'd be checking out the next. So it was you know, the minute you got onto reception, you weren't getting off that desk for at least 12 hours, <laughs> let alone a cup of coffee. But it was a great, it was a hotel that taught me a lot. And it was a hotel that taught me all about how to manage guests and, you know, manage volume and manage complaints pretty well, because it, it was quite a tired product in those days before Marriott took over. Right. Yeah. I mean, 400 people coming and going is... Well, that's relentless numbers, isn't it? I mean, yeah, and they were the, they were the peaks of the year. So they were the times where you know you had the hairdresser awards, for example. And I always remember that one because you'd have everyone checking in and and wanting a load of hair dryers and hairspray, <laughs> and they'd be wanting you know the the big ballroom, and they'd have the that those big huge events that they had downstairs in the great room, which were really great. And it was just it was just a hotel that really. It's a great hotel to start at. And, you know, there's so, so many people have been through that hotel over the years um, and have sort of, it's like, you know, most of the hotels I've actually worked at have been training schools. I've been very fortunate throughout my career. Um, so Grosvenor House was one of those that really just taught me how to deal with, the, you know, with those sort of challenges, which is great fun. I then, um, I was a receptionist, then I became supervisor, and then I was one of the three reception managers in that hotel. And I remember getting a call one day my CV had been passed on. It was all, you know, London was very much um, word of mouth in those days. And they were looking for a reception manager at the Landmark. 
and I was asked to go and have a conversation with them. So I did, and I liked the landmark. I, uh, Fergus Stewart was the hotel manager at the time. Magdy was front of house manager, and they were looking for someone. And obviously, with that connection of Grosvenor House, I think you know, I I obviously did pretty okay in the interview because I I got the job anyway. Yeah. Um, I went and Usually joined there. <laughs> yeah. So you often wonder, don't you? Yeah. I, uh, I joined there as a reception manager, the, the, the number one reception manager, progressed up to front of house manager. And I was there for five years and it was, a, it was an amazing hotel, amazing hotel in terms of, again, its banqueting facilities, in terms of its Middle East business. It was heavily occupied in the summertime by the GCC, like a lot of London hotels are. Yeah. And really enjoyed you know, being part of that hotel. And it was just having been at Grosvenor House and then coming to the landmark and sort of running my own department and then taking over the front of house that was you know great experiences and I met a lot of people and that's that's when I joined the ASCR which is you know the the front of house association yeah um, and it, it was a landmark days that I then progressed up to being the president of that and that's when you really get to know um, a lot of people around the capital and it's such a great um, such a great organization that we're so passionate about today we've had um, the the grandfather as he called it of uh, the ICR on the show actually uh, David Cowdery Oh, absolutely. I listened to that podcast. It was it was great. Yeah, he's just a, a walking story, that, that man. I'm sure we didn't even cover half of the stuff that, uh, <laughs> that he's got up to in his career. But, uh, but anyway, that's, that's for a different time. David's a very, David's a very special friend. He's, he's amazing. And yeah, we've had, you know, the ASCR is so, so great because it does connect, you know, the legends in London as well as, you know, new people coming onto the, onto the hospitality scene. And it's... Um, and London is particularly strong in terms of its membership, and and you know there's there's probably not one hotel that doesn't have a member in that in that association. So it's it was really really great to be sort of you know growing up through that, and then becoming you know as I, I started in the ASCR as the events guy, and then I looked after sponsorship. That was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? When my you know when I, when I was really hopeless at maths at school, I managed to get myself through into a sponsorship position yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I then I became president eventually so that was um, yeah obviously obviously something went right but it, I think it's these um, I suppose membership things I sort of, I'm trying to figure out the word of what it is uh, group associations um, yeah yeah that'll do it you know they're they're incredibly important I think though in, in terms of bringing people together and and kind of sharing information and sharing best practice best knowledge uh, and all of these things, I can imagine that, that that's worth its weight in gold. It is. It's um, you know, it's amazing that you can actually reach out to a quite a quite a large group of people. You know, London was in my days. London was more than a hundred hotels on there, hundred or hundred hundred people from different hotels, and it was great because when you wanted information on something, you could reach out and said, "Look, I'm looking to do X, Y, and Z. What are you doing in your hotel?" So to get that information firsthand and, you know, because we're all the same like-minded individuals, it's great that you can actually just get that super fast. Um, and that really helps you in your current role. So just information sharing is really valuable and you don't realize that. But also the networking, getting to know you um, when it comes to uh, future opportunities as well. Um, it's great because people get to know you and, you know, they the industry is very, so small that people always reach out and say, do you know, you know, I'm looking for a front of house manager. I'm looking for, a, you know, a I'm looking for a reception manager. And it's those networks that help with that, you know, and that's, and to be honest, it was the ASCR, my, my, the connections with the ASCR network that got me connected with TSA to do the upselling at the landmark first of all. 
And then that got me connected and, and got me the opportunity to get a, an interview in the, and the position after the landmark at the Sheraton Park Tower. Right. And that, and that came about because the, uh, the general manager at the time, Anne Scott, uh, who's a great friend of mine, she, she reached out and she said, look, I need someone. I need someone in the city who is pretty well connected. I need someone who you know, knows about the, the city, knows about what's going on and, and has those networks. So you know, to be part of an association, particularly in London, it's, it's super valuable. Yeah, no, absolutely. Not, not just, I suppose, from your own career development, but just in terms of making the, the industry appear smaller really and you know and everybody's looking after each other as opposed to competing with each other yeah no absolutely i think that you know the ASCR has been you know and and i'm with the ASCR in dubai now and, and the ASCR international comes together at congresses and presidiums throughout you know throughout the year and it's it's amazing how you can reconnect after a year and you know your people will always be looking out for you and looking after you yeah, and it's more of a friendship um, and it's incredible how it how it spreads throughout the world um, and how people as we move internationally like all of us do we still keep connected and you know I'm still a member of the ASCR UK section as an honorary member because of being a president but I love to love to see what's going on and I see the emails coming through and it, it just it just keeps you connected more than anything yeah no, absolutely. That's what happened. So after the landmark, you know, through the SER, through that sort of word of mouth, I actually moved from us being a front of house manager at the landmark into the um, Park Tower, the legendary Park Tower, the, the round hotel next to Harvey Nichols. Very dangerous being next to Harvey Nichols. Not good for the credit card, I have to say. <laughs> uh, Harvey Nichols is your corner shop is a bit of a danger. Um, yeah. Well, that's the fifth floor. By God, I <laughs> dropped the, um, the, the price of my house in that space. With oh, the, the products that are in there, phenomenal. Yeah, I know. But it was my local coffee shop when you wanted to get out of the hotel, so not a good thing. Mm. Um, but I joined the I joined the Park Tower, and I and there was a particular reason why I did that was because I'd done the boutique hotel with the Goring. I'd been in the Landmark, which was you know quite a prestigious um, hotel in Marlebone. Um, decided to then join, obviously, the Park Tower, and the Park Tower was a Starwood International Company. If I wanted to travel in the future, that might have that that was sort of on my mindset at the time. Not not that I would not that I thought I was going to be traveling with them, but you know I thought an international company is a good idea to to join. And you know part of Starwood and part of the luxury collection, it was a you know a really super hotel. And, it, and it, again, it was very GCC centric, being Knightsbridge. And it was you know it was my first rooms division manager position, um, looking after all the front of house and sort of the number two in the hotel, reporting into Anne. And that was a you know a really super hotel, very almost, you know, 200 odd rooms and quite boutique in a sense, but from a, you know, because it, because it had the other two Sheratons, it was, you know, you felt part of a bigger company as well. Mm. And then you had that sort of the huge Starwood uh, background behind it. It really helped me from a, a much larger international corporate company development, develop myself, you know, and when you, when you come to looking at budgets and you come to doing, you know, you have all your KPIs and everything online, it's, you know, what a great opportunity to move from somewhere like the landmark to that hotel. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a very successful hotel. You know, I always remember the summer business was incredible. Right. Well, and then I, I suppose as well, because the, the landmark's part of, a, I suppose, a small independent group, you're moving into a, a bigger group, different kind of, focus because of that or is it yeah is that kind well, of the heart the same yes well sort of similar in terms of its guests so i've always been in hotels that have looked after the gcc guests um, right. throughout the summer in london you know if you think about grosvenor house 
the landmark. And I suppose that's why I've always I've been I've been fortunate enough to to actually take on those positions, probably because of that background. It, you know, it, it all trans. You know, you look you look for people who have had experience in those markets because they are um, you know it's a particular client that's you know wanting you know um, very very personalised service and and super fast and. You know, you get used to dealing with that market. And I just think that, you know, the two hotels, one being independent, a little bit more flexible in terms of being able to make decisions quite quickly. And then you go into a corporate company and that's good because it teaches you all about, you know, it was a, don't forget, Starwood's American company. So it teaches you all about, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bigger machine to drive you know, and, and the procedures and policies and things you have in place are a lot different. Yeah. No, it's great in terms of being able to understand that and have a good, you know, and, and, and run with that and have a good understanding of how a larger and much more of a, a company like that runs. Yeah. And from there, that was that was your last London role, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it was a cat. That was what catapulted me out here, actually. And, you know, I did join it as potentially it could take me internationally if I ever wanted. And I wasn't looking for an international role, to be honest, at that time. London is a beautiful city. You know, I managed to buy uh, my first house. I had that big mortgage and I was pretty settled. So, you know, you've got a car and a mortgage and, you know, everything's ticking along nicely. And the next position is potentially operations manager for a bigger hotel or a GM of a smaller property or a hotel manager. That was sort of the next role coming up. Yeah. What happened was I ended up uh, along with uh, one of the along with the, one of the chaps in, in in Starwood who basically did Middle East sales. I went out with him as sort of a bit of experience really on on the first year to go around the GCC, and we spent about just over two weeks twice a year uh, going to most of the the key cities, including Dubai. So Dubai was one, and then you were you know I'd go to Jordan, which we had a particularly big account in through to Qatar, through to Saudi. So we used to do that, hop, hop onto a plane, go and see some of the, the key, the key uh, private clients and also some of the top agents. Um, and then the second trip was with the Star Wars, sort of a, a road show. And that really just got me uh, knowing about the region a lot more. And I, and I, and I always remember, um, I had friends in Dubai. So I, I remember, you know, stop, I always used to have Dubai planned on that last part of the trip uh, before uh, homebound for Blighty. Dubai for me in those days, this was, you know, 2000 and we're talking 2006 and seven, you know, 2006. Dubai was, you know, springing up. The hotels were very, very five star. They were, you know, there was a lot of bling in Dubai in those days. The hotels were, you know, beautiful five star hotels and, you know, everybody spoke English out here. So that helped. And the, and the fact that there was sunshine every morning, for sure, for sure, you know, brightened up your day. So yeah. I sort of looked at Dubai a couple of times and thought, you know, could I... Would this be a city that I could potentially come out to? And um, it took it took another year. And I and as I came on that sales trip the second year round, I actually did the sales trip on my own because the sales guy had actually moved out. So I took that I took that mantra and sort of did that along with my rooms division manager's role, which is great because what I was doing is actually meeting the private clients in the region, and then I was there in the hotel to personally greet and meet them when they were here. So there was a great connection, and that built. A, long, a very strong report. Um, but I remember being out here in 2007, uh, early 2007, it was a March trip. And I really realized, you know what, if I don't do this international career now, if I don't make that jump, or at least try it, I probably will never do that. Because I was, as I said, I was on that role, I was on a position where maybe my next position in London, and I'll be too comfortable um, enjoying, enjoying life in the capital. So I thought, you know what, this is the time to pack up. 
so I planned for the July trip when I came out on, on the July trip to come and visit a few hotels. And I got, I got in touch with Guido, who's, uh, you know, on the, one of the very, very senior people out here looking after originally Starwood and now with Marriott. And Guido had a chat to me. Anne Scott had actually put me in touch with Pam Wilby at the uh, Gro uh, Grosvenor House and the Royal Meridian. And then, you know, I managed to get me a cup of coffee with, with, with Pam, which was really great. Um, and I always remember meeting Pam for the first time and she was, you know, really very easygoing, but, you know, running two incredibly iconic hotels. And she was, you know, we both come from the UK. We both had a lot of people in the friends in common or people we knew from the industry. That's how small the industry is. And, um, you know, I, I merely purely said to Pam, you know what, if something comes up at your two hotels, will you let me know? I mean, I'm, I'd be interested if it's something comes up. And, you know, Pam is uh, amazing because she's strategist. So she looked, you know, she's very much thinking of the future. Had I, and I didn't know that at the time. So she said, you know, a couple of days later, I'm still staying at the hotel. And she said, would you come for a cup of tea? And I said, sure. Came for a cup of tea with her. And she said, look, I've got just the role I might have for you. And I was thinking that, you know, if you were interested in it, we could take it further. So I am, I'm, I'm a Royal Meridian Grosvenor House are probably the two very polished hotels out here at the time. And they're, they're amazing, iconic hotels today. And she basically said, look, you know, go and have a think about it. I'm just taking some time off and let's reconnect in a couple of weeks. Three months later, I was packing up the house in London and I was flying out here with, you know, boxes and, and suitcases and, <laughs> and, and landing in the desert that October. So it was July to October. The house was rented out. Boxes, boxes were in the back of the plane and off I went. Yeah, well, that's that's big upheaval to kind of logistically take care of. But then I suppose that yeah. there was a lot of people did that at the time because it was it was so up and coming Dubai at the time I mean they were they couldn't build hotels quickly enough back then yeah. it was just it was just it was a it was just the right time it was a greatest opportunity you know it was an opportunity you couldn't turn down it was a director of rooms operations across two hotels so it was a multi-property role was that role there before no it was created and I now know that you know Pam had potentially created that because she saw something in me and wanted to you know find an opportunity for the future that, that potentially could move me into one of the other senior management roles in the hotel so this is why I said says she's such a strategist because she's thinking ahead all the time you know yeah. you know when she's looking at people she's looking at the future you know she's yeah. always re-looking really at her team and that's what makes you know a great team and a great hotel so you know, it, people say to me, my gosh, you move very quickly, July to October. And yeah, but, I, you know, you, everything's possible in the end of the day, you know. And I, you know, the house was up, the house was on mortgage. It was fine. I rented it out, you know, decorated it because in those days after you built, after you bought your own first house, you know, it's not perfect. So you have to quickly do some work on it to get it ready. Yeah. To rent out. Rented it out and, and, and there I was. I landed in uh, 2007 in November and... Uh, and that was it. The, the Dubai day started. Not a bad start. Well, two pretty cool hotels, I have to say. And I, I ended up staying um, at those two hotels, progressing over eight years um, from director of rooms uh, of two hotels into Grosvenor House's EAM, uh, so EAM rooms, uh, then progressed into hotel manager of that hotel. And then uh, after being in Grosvenor House for a couple of years, uh, you know, I really wanted to... Um, be uh, have more experience in the resort side of the business um, so Pam gave me the opportunity uh, to, to be hotel manager at the Royal Meridian which was which was amazing it's you know it's a 500 bedroom resort hotel 18 beautiful acres of beautiful gardens and a, and a seafront to die for so it's um, yeah I was, I was very very lucky I think that that uh, property and um, 
uh, one and only Royal Mirage are my two favourite beach-fronted properties. Yeah, well, they were the, they're the two. They were the, they were they were the two original hotels on the beach there, and and they're still those iconic hotels today. Nobody can ever beat those two hotels. You know, they're they're unbelievable, and they're run by they're equally run by really amazing professionals who are you know who are industry uh, legends out here. Yeah, and then that day came, and you know, we, Pam and I've been talking, and you know, we, we were looking at my career generally. She, you know, she's always very. You know, she was always a person I can go to. And um, the opportunity came up when I got a, com- a call, actually, from Armani at the time through Emar. It was more it was more a call from Emar initially um, from a hospitality group point of view. And Emar, as you know, is a, is a very, very large company out here. Yeah. Um, a property company more so. A property and malls and entertainment and hospitality is part of the division of it. And they called me up to come and have a chat. So off I went to have a chat with a guy called Asim, a super, super, super guy. Yep. And I always remember that interview. I, I, and I, I've, always pra- I've never practiced it uh, since, but he was, a, he was a gentleman who said to me, okay, tell me about your career, but tell me about your career backwards. Backwards. And you know how, yeah, and you know how hard it is to tell someone about their career backwards because nothing links. Because, you know, if you tell a story about your life like we're doing now, yeah. Everything has the reason, everything links. I met that right person, that person then connected me into the next person. And I got that role back off the back of whatever. If you do that backwards, it's a, it's a lot harder. And I suppose, I suppose if, you're, if you've got uh, anything that's not correct on your CV, you'll easily get caught out. Yeah, well, I, I, you've just given me a, an idea for a new show. Well, there we go. <laughs> but it was, it was the most stressful interview, but he was, a, he was an actually gentleman. And he called me up and he said, look, you know, do these psychometric tests. I've seen you. Let's have a look. And then he called me about a couple of weeks later and said, look, we have a position in Armani and I want you to go and meet the general manager. And his name was a guy called Spencer Wadama, American Korean gentleman, very, very tall, about twice the height of me. <laughs> and um, we just hit it off from the minute we had a cup of coffee and we talked about life and experiences. We sort of, you know, backwards. Be, yeah, backwards. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those connections that was just great. And, you know, when, when someone said, you know, why, why did you choose Armani? And I was like, what do you mean, why did I choose Armani? Armani sort of chose me. But, you know, it was, it was one of the hotels that I hadn't done. So, you know, you, I'd done the beach hotels. I'd done city hotels. I'd, you know, I'd done international positions. And this was sort of a, this was a branded concept hotel, a lifestyle hotel, something very, very different. And, of course, it was in the Burj Khalifa. So yeah. Burj Khalifa, Armani, lifestyle hotel, twist my arm and I might, yeah. go, I might go not, on. Not got a lot going for it, has it? <laughs> well, there we go. So it was, uh, the hotel manager's role was up. It's a, it's a boutique hotel, but it's a very, very busy building. Let me tell you, you know, it's 160 hotel rooms, but incredibly busy property from a, from a banqueting point of view. Yeah. An event point of view. So I joined there as hotel manager. And that was where that was where life was, you know, changing again. And it was, you know, I had some great experiences in there. And then the, the time came, Spencer, Spencer had left. And um, I never, I never in a million years thought the potential that I'd be thought as for a GM position of the Armani Hotel. And, um, you know, my, uh, my current boss um, at the time, my, my current boss, still my current boss, Chris Newman, um, who's the CEO of Emar Hospitality, an incredible guy. He basically said, look, you know, there is an opportunity here. Um, I believe he, he very much believes in stretching people um, and giving them stretch roles. So yeah. I had to go off for a, it was quite a crazy time, actually. I had to go off for a half a day assessment in a, in, a, in, a, in a very tough environment. So I went and did that, came back alive, seemed to be okay. 
<laughs> so I thought, okay, I might be in for the running of this, but I'm still a bit nervous thinking about the GM of Armani you know, being in that position. Uh, I, you know, I was thinking something else. And then um, I got the call to say, look, you know, you have to fly to Milan. The, uh, the guy who behind um, Armani in terms of the hotel division, a guy called Fabrice, he wants to see you and meet you, which is, which is customary because we have to send the GM out there. So it's no problem at all. Off I went in my Armani suit. And I ended up, on the, just before I flew out, about the day before, I'm getting a call to say, listen, um, Mr. Armani wants to meet you. And I was like, I, 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 I'd gone speechless. Oh, and by the way, can you also translate your CV into Italian before you go? And I'm like thinking, okay, <laughs> number one, I've almost, had a, I've almost blacked out because I've got to meet Mr. Armani, but now I've actually got to get my CV into Italian. Yeah. So we did it. We did it fast. Luckily, I had a lot of Italians working in the hotel, so they translated the CV, put me on a plane, and off I, I went. to trust. Say again. I just going to say, just make sure that the, the level of trust was good, and the um, they weren't just making up your CV to, oh, to send well, over. There we are. Well, I did get a couple of people to check it after they would yeah. actually done it, just in case they put something interesting in there. Yeah. Um, so then I off I went to Milan, stayed at the Armani Hotel in Milan, which is also beautiful. And then the, the time came when I had to go and meet Mr. Armani, and he's an incredible gentleman. I uh, very respected. Was I, I was nervous before I met him, but strangely enough, not at all when I was with him. Very business focused. You know, pushed my CV to, after, after I spent all that time on that CV, he pushed it to one side of the table and wanted to talk to me about business and life in the hotel. Right. And that's because that was the interview and it was all being translated, you know, English, Italian, English, Italian. And most people have about five minutes with him usually. I had about 30. So I thought, well, that's a good sign. Yeah. And um, yeah, I came back, everything had gone well. And um, they gave me the chance to become GM of Amani, and that was unbelievable. The day, the day the news came, I was pretty shocked, actually. And to become GM of Amani, and you know, that's the first GM position was, was pretty wow. You know, yeah. I, I always remember calling my mum saying, you see, uh, you, didn't, you didn't believe in me. <laughs> yeah, so, and then and she said, oh, there's a, a position to open up at your dad's company. Do you fancy it? Uh, no. Yeah, she said, back in Chesterfield, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So then four years with Armani, really just uh, incredible. Uh, I learned so much from, a, you know, it's got some pretty iconic food and beverage rest, food and beverage outlets. It's got a huge events ballroom and, uh, and uh, pavilion area outside that does, uh, you know, the out, outdoor events, uh, looking at the Burj Khalifa and the fountains. So it was an incredibly busy hotel, but it really taught me about, you know, business. And I remember the day that I went from being hotel manager to GM the pressure really comes on and you know you sit there as a hotel manager and think that you know you're you're you know, you're, you're busy and you're, you're running the hotel but it's not until you become gm you realize the the, the responsibility lies with you um and that was my probably one of my biggest learnings actually you know that suddenly you know i've got no one to go and run to it's you know apart from the sport from the corporate office you've got you know it's it's on your shoulders be it type of thing yeah so that made me grow up very very quickly and then over, you know, we had some very, very successful years. I was there for four years at Armani. And then uh, Chris had actually said to me, look, you know, I am looking at opportunities within the company for you. I'm not sure how this, and we talked, we talked about opportunities in the future because, you know, well, I couldn't be at Armani forever. And then the opportunity came up with, with the fact that we, you know, we're continuing to build a number of very uh, uh, amazing hotels here in the city and, and also have a number of our properties within the same area. Uh, the opportunity came up to put area positions in and um, yeah, I ended up uh, moving across to address downtown which is the flagship address for the address uh, hotels and resorts division and then taking over 
uh, looking after address fountain views, which is a new multi-building multi complex with retail, um, residential components and, um, and hotel, uh, which is pretty cool. I opened up that along with a second hotel, which was the address Skyview. Um, about three months later, so two hotels within two brand new hotels opening up within the space of about three months. So that's pretty daunting. Mm. The Palace Hotel, which is one of our arabesque um, original hotels, which is just a beautiful hotel overlooking the fountains. So, you know, I look after four hotels and a residential uh, building as well called Vida Residences. So I jumped into that area general manager position quite quickly, and it was. Um, yeah, it was a very daunting day that I sort of took that role because I'm thinking one hotel and now five buildings. It's, it's <laughs> you sort of sit there and think, oh, you know, what have I done? Yeah. You know? Well, and something, just, just, something either just, very right or very wrong. Well, I think you just sit there <laughs> and think, wow, this, yeah, it can, it can, it can go two ways, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, 16, 17 months later, I um, obviously done, I've done something relatively okay because I'm still here. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I, no, I mean, I, 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 obviously I was jesting. The, um, my experience of you uh, dates back to when you were hotel manager Armani, basically. I have to say the way that you handle yourself is always with exceptional professionalism. So I, I'd have been very, very surprised if that's not what you take to your day-to-day -day job. Um, you were just being kind, Phil. Yeah, well, that's that's my job. I'm just, um, <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've, got to, I've got to make people feel special. That's um and you and you sure do. No, 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 it was your it was you that got me into this. So I, you know, if I um I couldn't have let you down, number one, and number two, you know, it was a great it was a great break, um, an amazing break. Um but all of the opportunities out in Dubai have, and I have to be honest, you know, all of them have been by chance. All of my career moves have actually been by chance. I've never apart from the job on Grosvenor House when I came out of university, I've never applied for a job. It's all been through really? you know, word of mouth and people reaching out to me. So I've been very privileged in that sense. Um, but, but that just demonstrates that you're creating the right waves in the, uh, in the industry. People are aware of you and people, you know, I, I'd, certainly anybody that I would speak to about you has only got positive things to say. So, you know, that can't help but build intrigue around you. And, uh, you know, so if somebody is, looking to, to start something that on the face of it seems to fit you, then of course they're just going to reach out and say, what do you think? Um, you just be nice again, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm, uh, this is, it's an indirect business development tool. <laughs> I'll pay you later, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, what struck me, cause uh, I actually caught up with you uh, the last time we caught up actually was when you'd not long taken the GM position at, uh, at the Armani we caught up face to face in, in the lobby and what struck me about that hotel was if basically what you were saying was it's a really busy hotel the the hubbub around the entrance to the hotel and i, I was there in april it was arabian travel market season mm. so dubai was busy but there was just a really wonderful energy about the place oh it's a, you know i think that the fact that it's inside the burj khalifa nestled inside the sort of the, the bottom part of the tower I think, you know, just everything that everybody wants to come to the hotel because of Burj Khalifa, for sure. It has a, you know, I can't imagine any other hotel that would sit inside there and have the set, the, the really the right fit. Um, I think it's amazing in that sense. Right. Um, it was always busy, you know, and people used to say, you know, pe people said before I went to Armani, people said, you know what, it's 160 bedrooms. It's going to be such a dream for you. It's going to be so easy. Um, I have to say that it was tough yeah. because it's not a normal hotel. In, in the daytime, it's a normal hotel. Check in, check out and a little bit of lunch and a few coffees. 
but it's a hotel, it's a nightlife hotel. It's a, it opens up in the evenings. You know, there's four or four restaurants that open up in the evening. Um, atmosphere is included as part of it, in a sense, um, in, in terms of the building inside. And, the, and, a, and a huge event, uh, events uh, part of the business. So it was, it never stopped. Yeah. Um, and there was always something going on. So, you know, you had to be there in the daytime for, you know, the regular part of the hotel, but then you needed to be there in the nighttime because that was when the business was really rocking. Mm, absolutely. What, uh, what floors did the bedrooms occupy? Ground to, the, ground to 39. Really? Right. So, so high so enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing views from there. And you have the Dubai suite that sits on the 39th floor that looks across to the Arabian, the Arabian Gulf, the ocean. It's beautiful. Yeah, a really, you know, really, really amazing views from there, and then the Burj Khalifa itself as well. It's just just an iconic tower. It's you know, it's, it still remains that it's so magical. When you even when I go and stand underneath it again now, and I go back to Armani, you look up and you just think, what a what an what an incredible structure made by man. And you know, it's just even today, it still has that magic. Yeah, you can't help but be in awe of the vision of people to come up with things like that. Correct. Yeah, and then to put a, a luxury hotel. And then a a restaurant on the very top floor. As I said, I often wonder, you know, what other hotel would fit inside there? What other hotel company? I can't, I can't think of anything else that would have that, that fit. Um, And maybe that's because I'm very loyal to Armani. I'm not sure, but you know, I just think of, you know, can you imagine the Four Seasons or something else? And I don't see it as, I can't see it as being the right fit inside there. I think Armani with its, it was so, Armani in terms of its style was so forward thinking at the time, you know, when it first came to the region, Armani was very, probably a bit, bit too modern, probably a bit too clean in terms of its fine lines and, you know, sort of that, that architectural, um, uh, that look and feel. Mm. Um, but it's become, and, you know, certainly during my time, it was becoming very, very fashionable. Um, and, you know, people's t- tastes were changing over the years. And the fact that, you know, we did a full refurbishment during my time when I was there. And it was a full refurbishment with completely the same look again. Um, but it was even more relevant during, the, during today's time than it was when it first opened. So that's, that's how amazing Mr. Mr. Armani's vision, I guess, was. You know, yeah. If you think about an Armani suit, an Armani suit lasts you for, forever if, it, if it's done correctly. Right. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, there we go. There we go. That's that's where I'm going for my next suits if I ever earn money again. <laughs> I mentioned at the beginning that you that well from the outside looking in certainly you're a very prominent GM in the in the space out in in Dubai. Do you think that's fair? Have I been have I been too full on with that? You're being very kind again. No? <laughs> well, the, the, I came to that conclusion purely on my own because the uh, I, I googled you as part of my research beyond what I already know about you. And I mean, there's videos everywhere. There's articles everywhere about you. You know, so you you do very well at keeping yourself in the press for all the right reasons. I have to say, um, <laughs> do you, do you go looking for that, or does that kind of stuff come think, come to you? No, I think because of the, the I've, listen, I've had amazing opportunities out here, and I and the Middle East has really uh, catapulted my career for sure. I think it's a city that if you really run, um, and it, and it's a it's a it's a very tough city to come and work in, and you know you're expected, you know, it's long hours, it's you know, it, it's incredibly fast and innovative. So you literally, you know, when you have to jump on everything, um, very 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 quickly. And if you do that, um, and you enjoy it, do what you're doing, and like I said, I love hospitality is my life, and it always has been. So if you enjoy what you're doing, and then you run with it and take the opportunities, the you know there will. 
you know, I've been very lucky with those roles I've had because of that. And I think that, you know, when you work in iconic hotels like Armani, you know, people do come and ask you, you know, we'd like to interview, we'd like to, you know, find out what you're up to and what you're doing. And, you know, we did a lot. I had a great team um, and I still have a great team now. I think teams are so important to have around you. And we just continue to do the new thing, what's next. And, you know, we did a huge piece on sustainability at Armani. And for me, sustainability was, was gaining pace. I really want, you know, to, to, to be a, a hotel inside the Burj Khalifa, uh, not the easiest thing to, to be sustainable. You know, you, you've got this huge tower, you know, and you're wanting to, to try and drive that. So a lot, of, a lot of the interviews for me came around sustainability at the time. Uh, the, you know, they, you've probably seen the video I had with uh, BBC World on sustainability. Um, yeah. And that was just phenomenal because we put so much work into everything from composting to, to food waste, to lighting systems, to really working on making that hotel very sustainable. And we got, you know, we got the award in Dubai for being the most sustainable hotel by the local, uh, one of the local uh, authority bodies. And that was a real recognition as the team had all come together to work on that. And it was, you know, really looking at the systems we put in place to do that. And I think that on the back of if you're innovative and creative and you've got the energy and you keep bringing your team in to do those things, you know, and it's anything you can do. It doesn't have to be about things like sustainability or huge things. It can be just, you know, creating the, you know, like for, when I came to address downtown, it was, I remember saying to the team, look, we've got to, we've got to really start talking about this hotel. We need to start talking about the F&B. So I need to get some traction. And we'd built that year. It was, it was just, it was a, just over a year ago. It was coming up to Easter. And I said, look, we need to, we need to create the biggest Easter egg that you can find in Dubai. And we have to build one ourselves. And I got the chefs behind it. I got the team behind it. I got the marketing team behind it. And I said, look, you know, we have to, we have to talk about this. We have to really get talking about the hotel because then, you know, people, people want to hear about us. People, you know, people love, you know, digital was a big part of our lives. Social media was incredibly important um, in Dubai and also radio. So I said, look, let's go and let's go and create this biggest egg. Ask people to count the number of flowers on the egg. And, you know, these are the stories we got to get ourselves out there. And, you know, having been connected with um, Arabian Radio Network over the years, I said to them, look, you know, I want to come and let's, let's, let's talk on a food show about what's happening in the hotels this Easter weekend. And those sort of creative things on getting online and getting, getting the hotel coverage is so, so important. And it costs you absolutely nothing. You know, they, they're very happy uh, out here to have you on the radio. They want to hear about what you're up to. Uh, you know, a couple of competitions and off you go. And, and that sort of then starts breeding more and more um, um, opportunities where people do want to hear from you. Yeah. And then when it comes to things like, you know, colleges, uh, La Roche comes out here a lot. So, you know, I found it was important to me, having come from hotel school, having been in the UK, to sort of really support those visits when they came out here. So we did a lot of stuff with La Roche as well. And they, they obviously invite you to do things. And um, I think it's just, it's, when you're so passionate about the industry and, you're, and you really, really love it and you really want to drive your businesses and it's, about, and it's all about driving business. You know, the more we can talk about it positively, the more it helps, you know, build awareness to our own businesses, then that will help drive the, you know, the commercial side of it. So, you yep. know, being, being out there and having coming up with ideas is all part of it. And I suppose, yeah, people see those things. And then once you get a few articles and a few press things out there, then more and more people want to come and talk to you. So that, you know, you have to balance it. You have to decide which ones we do and which ones we don't. Yep. And, and I got, you know, a really great marketing team that, you know, that support me. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, well, I mean, it, you've so far, I mean, I suppose that in some realms, you're, you're only just getting started. You're still quite a young man. You but so far, 
Yeah. You went earlier. You said no oh, when you, when we were talking about the Grosvenor House days and the Trust Town Sport Day. You were making me feel old, and now you're taking that back. Well, it's, it's a typical recruiter, isn't it? They just uh, they they tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you must have from your career so far some interesting stories. Have you got any any funny stories that you could share with us? I knew you were going to ask me that one. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I know, there's loads of funny stories, but I'm not sure I can actually tell them, all yeah. of them anyway. <laughs> they could get me into a lot of trouble. So I'll keep those, uh, the ones that might get me uh, fired uh, out, of the, out of this story. But um, there was one that was, I remember at the time I was both scared and, and laughing to the point where, you know, you know when you start to laugh and you can't stop yourself. Yeah. So I was at one particular hotel. I won't mention the name of the hotel, but I was at one particular hotel. And, you know, this family had been visiting the hotel over the years. And then their son had come out and he was now um, quite a lot older and had wanted to propose to his fiance, his girlfriend, uh, fiance to be. And um, basically we'd set up and we'd arranged with him, look, you know, uh, what we'll do is we'll decorate the room. Uh, You'll hide in the room because she, you know, he was out here already on, on a little bit of business. Um, he'd invited his girlfriend to come out from the UK. Uh, so we arranged for him, you know, she was expecting him to go to the airport and pick her up. So he made that, you know, that call to her when she landed to say, look, I'm still out with my mates. I can't come and pick you up and just have me a few beers. If you don't, I hope you don't mind going to the hotel and I'll meet you later. So she's at this point fuming and he, he'd, he'd set it out like that. So off, yeah. off, off they went. I hope he doesn't hear this story actually, because he doesn't know the story behind this. <laughs> and I'm good friends with him now. Um, <laughs> So there, they, there he was. He was standing on the balcony in his room. All the room was full of petals and you know, candles and it was all set. And, you know, I was downstairs waiting for, for his girlfriend to arrive in the hotel car from the airport. And all of our hotel cars were the same. And um, one car pulled up and I'd been told, you know, I checked with the doorman. The doorman said, yeah, this is such and such. You know, I've got confirmation from the airport. This is the right car. So off I, you know, stepped forward. You know, Good evening and welcome. And Mrs. Such and Such, and I said the name, checked in, and, she, and the lady replied back to me and said yes, and she no, maybe as you're getting out of the car, you're not, not really listening to what's going on, it's all a bit of a dream. So we started, I started walking with this lady, and she, you know, she, pretty, pretty looking lady, and she was walking through the lobby with me, and I remember saying, saying to her, you know, I'm starting to have a little bit of a chit-chat on the walk through to, to where the, the lifts were, and it was, luckily, it was a larger hotel, so it was a, it was a good walk. Yeah. Um, so... I started talking to her and she then said, you know, no, I've just, I've just come in from Paris. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, this lady's coming from Paris and she's meant to have come in from the UK. This is a bit of a worry. Mm. And so I started to ask a couple of more questions and it just it wasn't ringing the bell. So I said, oh, can I borrow your passport? I just need to scan it. And I took the passport out of her hand as I'm walking and talking and I realized it was the wrong lady. Um, and we were walking this lady, we were walking this lady, you know, up to potentially up to this room to be proposed to. My life. So me, I literally had to, I literally had to lose this lady. I had to find a member of the team and said, oh, yeah, can you take this lady? And can you take her off to, to be checked in? You know, just arrived off flight, you know, checking in. Here's the passport, look after her. And I turned around to literally leg it back to the front of the hotel to go and pick the right guest up, who came in about a minute behind in an identical hotel car. And this is a problem when you're in Dubai, you have lots of these flash cars and they're all the same, you know? Yeah. And, all, and most of the international flights all arrive at once. So I, I rechecked the second time and it was the correct person. But to this day, it sort of it gives me the chills, actually. My hands have gone a bit, a bit, a bit cold here because if I'm thinking about it, you know, at the time I was laughing a lot. But, you know, had I 
had I taken this lady up, number one, we'd have proposed the wrong lady. <laughs> Secondly, the other lady was so close behind that maybe the first lady was still in the room when the second lady arrived. So you can just imagine what oh, happened. She was already in a bad mood. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so can you imagine? Oh, goodness. Um, and I remember talking to my reception manager at the time. We couldn't stop laughing, honestly. It was one of those hysterical, hysterically nervous laughs that we sort of thought we got away with that one. But um, yeah, not, these things happen in hotels. But um, that, that, could have been a really, uh, that could have been a really good, good story to tell. Yeah. I could have been in trouble. Well, the thing is, is that the, as well, however long you do this role, it introduces you to new things all the time right new disasters new moments of wonderment it's just it's a constantly evolution uh, evolutionary process in this business yeah and you know so just when you think you've seen it all something else will come along and blow your mind or or take you out your depth or or whatever anybody in the hospitality who knows it's just such a magical industry you know there's so much happens and you you get to see the good the bad the ugly and more and it's just you know you're part of a life experience you're you're part of people's life experiences and you're there you know you're there to look after them you're there to make them happy you're there to take care of them you know it's a it's a job that has no boundaries really and it's just you know i don't think people outside the industry never understand it really um until you actually come and work in hotels and they they really you know they really get it and understand why you know when you when you join hotels and you really love it they understand why you love it so much yeah it's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to start this podcast was just to start telling some of the, the, the interesting stories, notwithstanding people's individual career stories, but, but actually the, the little moments of the little gems that happen within that. And there are always too many to mention. But the, the great thing about that is, is that with every conversation that I have, it's always completely different. You don't get the same story twice. People's perceptions yeah, of scenarios are very different so even if you if you got the two people involved in a in the same story they would tell it very differently yeah that's true you know it, true. it's just it's an endlessly fascinating part of this business for me yeah it's, my only regret is that i never made a made a notebook not not that i'd ever published that notebook but you know you know sometimes when you just want to uh, think back on stories it's you know it's yeah. just for your own humor I wish, it, I wish when I started the industry, I'd had a little book and just written in the, the small examples of things that, you know, make this industry so special. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd get a, a pen name, the secret hotelier or something like that. And um, <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, there's generally there's a, a, an awful lot of stories come out when it's, it's usually with people who are quite high profile, you know, that you've had to deal with something to, to do with them. But of course, part of the reason why the, the high profile people, want to spend time in hotels and uh, and the like is to have some peace and quiet. Not everybody craves the camera all the time. So yeah, I def- always have felt that, um, that it's not really my place to share any stories of people when they're kind of in their relaxation zone, regardless of how funny they, they may be. But yeah, um, well, we have a we have a duty to, you know, to, to look after people and, and, and give them the privacy and protect that privacy as well. And I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, ever had a, a situation where you've been uh, monumentally out of your depth or terrified of where you found yourself? Not, not too much in the past. I think that this, I honestly thinking about it, and I think that 
Ooh, that's a good question. I think this COVID situation has really taken the floor out of most people's comfort zones in a sense. You know, I think that, you know, I remember, you know, like I said to you at the beginning of the podcast, January, we were having an absolutely bumper month and it was just unbelievable. I hadn't seen the hotel like that before, 91%. And it was just, you know, we really thought we were on to a good start for the year. Mm. And by March, it dropped out. And the, the scary thing, and you know, all the hoteliers will will associate with this, but to not know, because as hoteliers, we tend to be quite control freaks. We tend to know what to do. Um, for me, I tend to freak out at the small things in life and the, the large things like, you know, uh, an incident or a ceiling falling in or something not working. I can deal with, with, with precision. I know exactly what to do. And running, and running hotels over the years, you sort of find a way around things. So you, 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 you sort of sit down and you put an action plan together. But COVID for, you know, certainly out here in the Middle East, you know, and having, you know, I was looking after five properties. You see each of that, each of those properties when you know that you're going to have to potentially close the hotels up and, and reconsider, you know, and consolidate rooms into one of, one of the properties. And we, fortunately, we were able to keep address downtown open, which is great uh, for two reasons. One, keeping the sort of the flag flying for the group, the only hotel we had open in the group throughout COVID. Secondly, we were able to learn from that and we were able to implement some of the some of the top safe safety protocols in the city. And we, we got we got the Rolls Royce and the bells and whistles and everything from thermal cameras to, to you know, to all the all, all, all the things that, you know, that, that help us create a very uh, safe and um, consistent guest experience, to you know, to, to a lot of touchless controls. But also because we have quite a large residential compound in this hotel. So 400 we had 400 residences staying and being staying inside during that lockdown period out of 600 units. So it's a, it's a high, high concentration of people to look after. So we were able to, you know, maintain one, one, one building at least. Um, and that was really, that was good in, a, in that sense. But, you know, the, it's the scariest thing for us was just not knowing what the future was. And you, yeah. you, can, you, know, you, you, you know, you see a lot of the images online where you see that crystal ball where it's completely covered and <laughs> you don't know. And nobody can, nobody can predict how long, what it's going to look like. And you start to hear of, you know, predictions of business won't return till 2023 and beyond. And you start to think, wow, this is really this is they talk about unprecedented they talk about new norms but you know that that is scary that yeah. is scary for anybody and to have those five hotels really start to close up and the streets got very quiet here in dubai and you know driving i was one of the fortunate ones that actually were only locked down overnight and at weekends you know and i was able to i had a special pass to drive between home and literally work because we were running this operation this building so we you know i had that opportunity to move around a little bit more um, but that was, you know, to go on Sheikhzad Road, which is the, the key artery to the city, to be able to go between home and work in about 10 minutes with about three or four cars on the road, was, <laughs> it, was it was eerie. Yeah, um, it, was, it was a good thing because the government had taken such great control early on and said, look, this is what we have to do. Let's follow it. And I think the government, you know, we're, we're very much, uh, we, we're, we're, a, we're a country that we're, we very much, you know, respect and love our, our government, our ruling family. Um, and I think that we all just, you know, quickly fell into line and did what we needed to do as a city together, which was, which was phenomenal. And we were doing sterilization uh, every single day. So we had to be in, we had to be back home by you know, eight o'clock during the non, the non-official lockdown. It was eight o'clock at night time curfew. And, you know, people were standing on their balconies cheering. And then the first thing in the morning, then we were able to go out, but it was, 
Yeah, it was for me and as a hotelier where you're used to control and you're used to being able to at least make some decisions. You couldn't. And it was, I remember, it was funny actually because I've always been, I've always been very upbeat. I've always been quite positive. But I remember there was a, right in the heart of it, in the middle of it, one weekend, I was feeling particularly, actually particularly low. And I was, you know, it became a, a time where you were pretty scared. And I remember one, actually one of my friends called me up from the States and said to me, you okay? And I said, yeah, why do you, why do you think I'm okay? He said, well, you're, you, you're extremely quiet and it's unlike you. So, and I really looked at myself in the mirror and said, yeah, actually, I'm, at this current time, I'm, I'm probably feeling a little bit like I'm treading deep water and I'm not sure what to do. And, um, and that sort of snapped me out of it and off we went again. But it was that time that that was probably the time that, to be honest, it's probably the most terrifying thing that I think any of us are going through. But it was very real, wasn't it? No doubt. I think everyone has fought a battle with this in some form, you know, however big or small. And I think that I, like you, I'm quite an upbeat person. Normally, I tend to definitely see the glass half full most of the time. But even with this, I had days where I, I, I woke up and just thought, oh, I really don't, yeah. I don't know what to do. I think it was that time when we were in probably in the first couple of weeks into it. And it was really, everything was starting. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. You have to be away from each other. And everyone was getting, you know, there's a lot of media going out there on COVID situation. And I think everybody just obviously, that that panics people a little bit. And you really don't know how to handle it. And I think, you know, you're, you're starting to get involved. And I was involved in many groups to do with, you know, crisis, to do with commercial futures and to do with communication. Um, so we really looked at a number of elements there in terms of, you know, how we, t- how we start to move forward. But the, I think it was for all of us. I think we all just couldn't do any of the things that, A, we like doing personally in life, but also, B, that, we, that you do so well at work. You know, and, you know, I do, I'm very consistent with my staff engagement that I do throughout the hotels because, you know, there are gems that, you know, make our hotel so successful. So you, know, you can't do a birthday cake. You can't cut a cake to celebrate anything. So it became a big bit of a, bit of a challenge. Mm. And it was only when you started, and this is a, the network again, this is being connected as hoteliers. It's only when you start to see what other hoteliers are starting to do and you start to get inspired by that, then you sort of, say, okay, there is, a, there is a way here. And you start to climb up that ladder to get out of it. And I think that that was a big learning. I think that's when I started to say, look, you know, everything we do, I don't want to stop doing everything that we're doing. Yes, we have to be smart in terms of, you know, monetary constraints, but there's a way around everything. And we have to find a way to do it. And then we started doing social distance birthday cakes. And I think that was the first thing we started to do. And then really just looking at getting, getting online and doing, you know, doing our staff staff sessions online, and it was just it just then started to flourish. But it was that it was that medium point between everything going going into lockdown and not knowing what to do. That that was the that deep moment where everybody's sitting there thinking, okay, is this the end of the world type of thing? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I suppose to, to to try and end on a on a more positive note, where um, it does feel like. We're coming through the other side. I think I completely agree with you. None of us really yet know when we can expect a return to the old normal if we're about to hit the new normal, uh, yeah, just yeah. in terms of business levels. I think you've just got to keep incrementally, like normal, I suppose, just trying to improve in each day. And, and if whether that's financially or you know, in terms of policies, procedures, engagement with team, whatever, that's really all you can do in this period, I, I, I guess. I've given up trying to plan. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I've, I've mentioned this before. I'm, I'm just, I'm very happy to 
admit that I am uh, currently very reactive to to the, the world situation because it, you know, you write a plan and, and two weeks later you have to rip it up because things have changed. There's a new procedure in play mm. Uh, mm. and so on and so forth. So you've just got to, you've got to be adaptive, I think, and, and, and remain upbeat and there will be another side to this. There will be, there will be. And I think that this, this is, this is a really good test for people um, to sort of, you know, to come be creative to, you know, to sort of change the way you do things. And I think that, you know, people who do, do keep upbeat, people who find a way around things um, will always find that way to, to, to make the best out of the situation for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we, you know, we were doing our business reviews originally once a month, but we were down to doing them once a week, because as you said, everything changed by, by the minute, everything was changing. So we were adapting everything that we did. And it was, you know, it's, and, you know, and I do certainly, I, I you know, I wouldn't, you know, to, to, to be in Dubai right now, to be in the U, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in any other place. I think the, the it's, it's an incredible country that's really, got control of the situation you know we've we've reopened practically all of the not only just international borders on the 7th but we've got the malls open the pools the gyms the spas are all open all with you know all with all with safety protocols in place um, with a lot more education of people living out here um, and really understanding what what we can and can't do and I think that you know we've really pushed to to, you know to try and bring ourselves to back to you know back back into business albeit very, very, uh, very, very different and very, very safe. But it's, um, you know, you see that you see that business is starting to come now. Is that consistent? Not at the moment. It's very up and down. So we'll see how it goes. But it's certainly it's, it's uh, certainly I feel very privileged to be out here. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, and I think another thing that you do that I'm sure must help you get your, your mind in the right place. So I know you're a bit of a gym freak. <laughs> gym running diving swimming anything anything and i think that that's for me that's been about it's kept the stress levels under control uh, it's kept being healthy and um, having that sort of go-to stress relief has always been is always been part of the job you know i think that uh, had i not been so active i don't think i would have had such an enjoyable time in, in Korea. I, I, I can see the benefits of, of that. You know, only this morning we were out running this morning. We, you know, it's very, it's very hot and humid out here. Uh, we've got a very small group of people who go out and do a social distancing run as part of a, we've done a campaign for all of our ambassadors, all of our staff who are working uh, or either working or not working in the accommodations. And we've, we've, we've brought a, a you know, corporate social wellness program into place and that has a number of pillars from from exercise to diet to learning to mindfulness and we've sort of run with this and it's been it's been phenomenal the traction we're getting on it yeah. um so i take a small group of people out uh, you know we're all fully masked and off we go running and we were running on the palm this morning at uh, six o'clock in the morning as the sun's coming up a little bit hot and humid but you know we we got some great um you know you know you come out of that run afterwards and you're like wow you know i'm, I'm feeling ready for the day ahead and it and it really you know, I, I'm very, very positive after I've done morning exercise. So it, it helps me. It helps me with these long hours and, and the and the and the inevitable amount of stress that we go through. Yeah, I think it's just it's necessary for me as a as a part of life's balance. I think it, it exercise for me always just gives you it even gives you headspace as well as the the physiological feeling that you have afterwards that makes 100%. you feel that you can. 
I bought actually, I bought a spinning bike uh, just as we went into COVID. I knew we were going to be locked down. The gyms were going, and I bought a spinning bike. It was a, uh, you know, it was a secondhand one taken from the local um, sports retailer here. It was a reconditioned bike actually from one of the hotels, so it was like brand new anyway. And it was, I think it cost me about two and a half thousand dirhams. And <laughs> I used that bike about three times inside during the during the whole month. <laughs> So it was very useful for hanging clothes on, but it's not, I'm not an indoor spinning, cycling type of person. So I, you know, a complete waste of time. Luckily, I managed to sell it quite quickly after we managed to open up the gym. So um, yeah, that was probably the the most silly amount of spending I've ever done. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think exercise is exactly like your career. You've got to find what works for you. There we are. Great piece of yeah, advice. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, well, on that note, uh, I, I, we'll, we'll wrap this up very, very shortly. But what would you say to somebody who was considering a, a career in hospitality? Oh, good question. Um, be prepared for the unexpected, for sure. Like I said earlier, you know, it's an incredible industry. If you're going to go into it, you, you have to be sure that it's, uh, it's for you. Because if, if you do, then it becomes almost like a hobby. It's part of life. Be ready for long hours for sure, uh, and particularly you know, working, working internationally. We work very long hours in, in this city, so it depends on where, where you travel to in the world. You know, I, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a job that the diary changes, so my diary is all planned out for the week ahead, but it, it never happens the way it should do. There's no such thing as a fixed schedule, and um, you know, my, um, like my work colleague, you know, the work colleagues become your extended family, so they are part of you. you know, I spend so much time with my work colleagues, more time than I would do with my normal family. So I, I, you know, in summary to that, I'd probably say, you know, you be, be sure it's for you. you know, give it a trial. Um, if, you, if you love it, then you're going you're gonna to fall in love with it, and you're going to make sure it does really well. But be prepared for long hours. And, you know, I, like I said to you earlier, you know, you, we are here when people are enjoying themselves. So those holiday periods like Christmas, like Easter, when everybody else is out enjoying, you're going to be you're going to be here doing it and looking after them, which is not a bad thing, actually. I, you know, when I was hotel manager, and I didn't used to work. I, I used to work weekends to have the time off in the week. You know, in Dubai, the beaches would be a lot quieter in the week than they would be the weekend. And, um, you know, it's almost like a blessing to do that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's for me it's um, yeah just just make sure you love it that's all yeah no absolutely great stuff so if people want who are listening who want to get in touch to learn a little bit more about you and your brands what's the best method for them to do that yeah reach out to me you'll find me on LinkedIn that's probably the best forum to hang, get hold of me it's yeah, Mark you, on LinkedIn you're also very active on there I, the, um, I've seen lots and lots of postings of, of all the good work that you do both internally and externally, there's lots of good stuff for engagement there. So I'd, I'd suggest just following Mark anyway for, for some really interesting content. Thank you very much. You're going to give me some more followers. Thank you, Phil. Yeah, did, did, did you not want them? No, followers are all great. Great stuff. Well, look, thanks very much for spending some time with us today, Mark. It's been uh, really good to learn about, about you and your career. I wish you all the very best through the next phase of... of life whatever that may look like and well i'm sure you and i will talk again soon anyway you're a gentleman thank you and you made it very easy on me and you were very complimentary so i appreciate that you know there was no there was nothing i was expecting a curveball question from you phil so um, you didn't give it to me so i'm i'm feeling pretty happy now next time next time God bless you. Yeah. thank you so much <laughs> take care all right be Cheers. good bye-bye bye-bye
And there we have it. What a phenomenal career Mark is carving out for himself in the Middle East, demonstrating that it's always good to stretch yourself. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode each week, so hit that subscribe button and give us a like and a share where you can. In addition, we'd love it if you could leave us a written review on your favourite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.